Hi guys, I'm Rachel. And I'm Jess, and this is Mothering On My Own podcast. Each episode, we'll dive into stories of resilience, triumph, and personal growth shared by women who are mothering on their own. This podcast serves as a reminder that you are not truly alone and there's a community of women who are navigating the highs and lows of this extraordinary journey. Join us as we unpack the many ways of mothering on my own. Welcome to this next episode of Mothering on My Own. Today we have Amy Rohan joining us. Now we were actually introduced to Amy because we had a number of our audience members say that they would love to hear from her. So, so much to take from this episode. One thing that, again, I would love to highlight is there is a trigger warning on this episode. Amy does talk about losing a child through this episode. So if you're just not ready to hear that and you need to come back to it, please do. So much to talk about, you know, obviously navigating grief. She had, I guess, quite a public relationship and navigating a marriage breakdown with that during COVID. I mean, my goodness, like there was just so much there unpack. Yeah, absolutely. And just like we always say, the different layers of becoming a single or a solo mum is just endless. And the pain that I felt listening to Amy's story, talk about losing her daughter and then, you know, years later losing the relationship and the marriage that she just thought would be forever. It was just, oh, it was just heartbreaking. But Again, Amy's just so positive and, you know, she's in a new relationship now, which she'll go on and share. And it was just such a, an emotional story, like we always say, but really powerful. So again, we know that you'll love it and take so much away from it. So we really hope you enjoy this chat. And I, I also just want to highlight, we, I was chatting on a Facebook group yesterday and someone just sort of like made a really blanket comment about her experience with single parenting and that, you know, like her experience was like, you know, why has it got to be negative? Why do you have to, it was the best thing ever that happened to me. And it's like, I think what we're doing here is unpacking. There's so many different kinds of stories and situations and variations. And for some people, it was the best thing that ever happened to them having this new lease on life. And for others, there's a lot that they've got to unpack and journey through and lose a relationship that they were with since they were in high school. Like there's so much. And I think that's what we're trying to do here is just to touch on all the different versions of the experience. Yeah, give voice to them all for sure. And like you said, so many of them will be so positive and like I say, you know, I wouldn't change a thing because it got me to where I was, but there's the bits in between that we need to talk about and yeah. that's and that's why we're doing it. So we hope you enjoy it and we, as always, would love your feedback. So please, if you have any kind of comments regarding this episode or just any of our other episodes in general, we'd love to hear them either on our Instagram or on our comments on whichever podcast platform you're listening to. So enjoy. Thank you. Today we are chatting with the beautiful Amy, mum of three girls. And we are so excited because Everyone in our community is so excited. So we feel very honored to have you here today. So welcome, Amy. Thanks for having me, ladies. I feel honored to be here. I wish there was something <laughs> like this around when I started my solo parenting journey. So I'm hoping I can help others out there that need some help like I did. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so let's start it with who was Amy before you had kids? What were you like? Who was Amy? Happy-go-lucky, bubbly loved all things fashion, fitness, obsessed with her partner, 
then turned husband, was just living life very freely, I guess you could say, living it up in Sydney. Yeah, some of the best years of my life were spent up there and always loved to chat. I worked in retail and I just loved making connections with every single person I met every day. And I still have connections with some of my best customers. (laughs) Um, That's what I love. And I think that probably really does, you know, give you a bit of an insight into me. And like, I like to give a bit of a lasting impression on people. Mm -hmm. And I also just love connecting with others. But that was me just, just going through the days and living very flippantly. Like, you know, had no real dreams or goals or aspirations. I was just supporting partners, supporting hubby, being a little cheerleader on the side and yeah, living it up. Was young too, you know, just taking each day as it comes. Yeah. And what did what did your partner do? Yeah, so my ex-husband, he played football. He played football from he still does, sorry, but he got drafted when he was 18 and I was 16 at the time. So we had a long distance relationship there. Yeah. So big chunk of your life and a big important, looking back now, a lot of work that I've done over the past few years, it's a big chunk of your being like make that makes up who you are in those pivotal changing years of your life. So yeah, played football. I was still at school. So I finished my studies and finished school and went on to do I got into uni but deferred for a year because I'm I'm a country girl I'm a farm girl city daunted me and I was like I just want to do Mm. something but I just don't want to step straight into uni want to have a few life experiences under my belt before I go straight from study to study to study and then what if I land somewhere that I didn't even want to be so just Mm. did a personal trainer course my diploma of fitness on the side and worked moved to the Ballerine Peninsula Ocean Grove which is where I live now and yeah studied for six months was supposed to be a year and in that six months my then partner at the time who ended up being my husband had a horrific football injury so I picked up my life and moved to Sydney to be there to support him and It was such a daunting decision to make, but so glad I did it. And when I got up there, because Mm -hmm. I really wanted, I didn't want to chase him straight to Sydney because obviously he'd been there for two years. I really wanted to do something for me first, but you know, things happen, life events happen and you know, you just go with the flow. So I moved to Sydney and didn't go straight into the fitness, yeah, the fitness avenue, still haven't, but hey, I did it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and just got a casual job at working in retail at Country Road and ended up staying there for seven years until I went on maternity leave. Wow. I loved it. The people I met become family. And I think that happens when you move interstate. I'm sure you can relate to that, right? Mm-hmm. So I had my bubble, my support bubble, which was really nice and something away mm-hmm. from my partner's work that was just me mm-hmm. and just for me, which I really loved. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So yeah, that, that's that's what took me to Sydney, and then yeah, life events happen, and you know, just the the wave of things happened. The regimented routine of what should happen in life happened with me. You know, got engaged, got married, fell pregnant, and then yeah, the tra- trajectory changed. Yeah. yeah. So when you and I were chatting, Amy, you yeah. you kind of used a phrase which I think so many women would connect with. So you wrote 
you know, motherhood for you kind of like chewed you up and spat you out. Can you chat us through like how did that unravel for you? You know, you were just saying how free and how fun and how light you were prior to kids. How is Amy Rohan different now? What is what has motherhood done to you? It's so crazy. I, I really went in depth there about a couple of things and I was like, oh, I could write about this for days. But um, <laughs> it really does chew up the old you and spit out someone completely new. And in a sense of any normal uh, experience of becoming a parent, that happens. Yet the layers that we had on top of it, I didn't even know who I was anymore. It was like my whole identity yeah. was just stripped away and my days went from happy-go-lucky Amy to survival mode, which I didn't realise at the time. Mm. It's taken a lot of reflection and looking back and therapy to go, okay, what and how have you felt since becoming a parent and how can we get that happy-go-lucky Amy back that isn't Mm. worried, anxious, living in fight or flight because that was me for until after Sadie was born, that was me. It took me to really hit rock bottom yeah. to go start again. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you just sort of touched on it, but for those who don't know, you said for what in particular you guys were going through. So can you talk us a little bit about yeah. Willow and obviously her, for those that don't know anything about it? Yeah. Yeah, of course. How so did you find out? I will just quickly say a bit of a trigger warning to anyone out there who might not be able to listen or hear this at the time, come back later. But our so our first pregnancy was we were blessed with twins. That I think that's where the spiraling going, what the fuck am I getting myself into here <laughs> started. And then at our nearly 12-week scan, so 11-week scan, we got told the devastating news that Willow had an encephaly, which is a neural tube defect, which is where her brain and skull like the last neural tube doesn't close over, so it's left exposed and these babies are incompatible with life. And that just hearing those words, I didn't know really what incompatible with life referred to. I was like, okay, surgery, hospital stay, yeah. and they're like, no, these babies will pass either before, soon after, or days after birth. Mm. So that right there is a lot to get your head around and then it, you find out what twins you're having. We had identical twins and they were sharing the same placenta, but they had separate sacs, so separate membranes that were splitting them, kind of like a really thin onion layer. So we were given every option under the sun what to do to sort of either stop Willow's growth, terminate her whilst in the womb, but whatever you do to one being identical twins, they're connected, can affect mm. the other. And it was just like, well, I'm mama bear mode went on instantly. And I was yeah. like, well, I've been, we've been given these babies for a reason. And in my head, like I went to school with a girl who was a twin and she's like, me and my brother, even though they weren't identical, she's like, we had a twin thing. It's like this girl, mm-hmm. this other one girl, we didn't know they were girls. I just say it now because obviously they are mm-hmm. I just was like, Bella needs to meet her sister. and. Willow is meant to be here. So let's learn all we can Mm -hmm. and continue on the pregnancy. And we got referred to the best team ever at the Maternal Fetal Medicine Clinic in the Royal Hospital for Women in Sydney at Randwick at the time. And yeah, it was quite comforting to know that this was our first pregnancy 
So we'd never had anything previous to compare it to. So it was our norm in a sense, mm. which was really nice. And mm-hmm. learnt everything we could along the way. And I thought I was so fine and under control and I had it all handled. And it's not until after they were born and she passed and you're, you're teaching your milk to come in, you're learning to hand express you're grieving, you're feeling bad because you're giving too much acknowledgement to Bella. You've got two families in Sydney that want a piece of you every second of every day. You're pumping every two hours to get your milk supply up because your baby's in NICU. That become my norm, that many things in my head. So when I sat down to sit still, I didn't know how to sit still and stop. So anxiety overload was there and fight or flight mode mm. was on for the next two and a half years basically. Yeah. Can you, so again, when we were sort of chatting, or I think I read it somewhere, you wrote about when they were born, the girls were together and sort of, were they cuddling each other? Can can you talk us through that? It must be the most sweet, like I can't even. It's really strange. Like, who was I talking to yesterday? Oh, I was at daycare, I was dropping off the girls and I said something about Bella and Willow and the daycare teacher's like, are they like, is she a twin? And I was like, oh, I just assume that everyone knows because I talk about it so openly. I was like, yeah, Bella's an identical mm-hmm. twin. She's like, oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry, but listen to the way you're talking about it. And I was like, it's my therapy, honestly. You know, in the early yeah. days when I'd try and talk about it, I'd choke up, I'd cry. If I'd see someone else that's just lost a baby, I remember seeing Rory and Belle when they had their stillborn. Yeah. That ripped me and it still does, but like you get so consumed by it because it's mm. been through it. But I've learned the more I talk about it, the more, um, the better it's made me, I guess, in, in myself. But yeah, when they came out, yeah, Bella came out screaming first and she got placed on my chest and then they brought Willow out, put a little beanie on her and they got placed both on my chest and Bella's or Willow's was just over like holding the hand and it was every photo that we got or memory or video, they're just both trying to reconnect with each other and seeing that just made me go, I've done the right thing here. Like yeah, she's got her sister, you know, and she's forever going to yeah. have these photos and she still says every night, sorry, Jess um, and Rachel. No, um, <laughs> she still says every night I say this little like good night, my girls sleep together and good night, sleep tight, don't let the bed bugs bite. And when we're at the end of it, I'm like, night angel. She goes, yeah, like my sister, she's an angel. And it's just really yeah. special to sort of um, bring her up, normalising that kind of talk and not shushing it away or putting it under a cover because I think myself, I've tried to bury feelings and they've come out tenfold later on. So I really want her, if she's having a moment, I'm like, feel it, girl let it out yeah Um, yeah so yeah that that's really special but yeah and then in every other photos they're connecting and two days later after Willow had passed she stayed with us in the hospital and she was in a cold cot she was dressed immaculately we did a little blessing ceremony for them and Willow was in like the blessing ceremony cot and Bella got to come up for NICU from the NICU for a couple of hours which we didn't think was going to be able to happen so that was really special. And they just, she just cuddled into it, grabbed her hand and started sucking on it. 
what have I done here? This little thing's going to have a missing link her whole life. Oh, it was so just bittersweet memories that so yeah. lucky to have them, like so lucky but just something I think back to all the time and think, oh, God, I'm sorry, Bells, but I'm here for you, girl. It wasn't my fault. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't yeah. choose this gym, I guess. Yeah, but, yeah. No, no. I think she still has a twin thing with her sister, oh. for sure. I was going to ask that, you know, do you still think there's this telepathic, no, wait, is that the right word? This, yeah. How does that sort of come out where you think you recognise that? My girlfriend sent me this, I think it was just a reel on Instagram from a a medium. I'll send it through to you after if you want to share it. And it was about how mothers are forever entwined with the DNA of the children that they lose. She's such a beautiful friend. She shares these special little things with me all the time. She's like, she's always with you. And in the beginning, yeah, I reflected a lot on her presence and how I feel her in different aspects of the day. And when my marriage broke down and, you know, I heard a couple of rumours circulating that she's crazy, she's not right, she's not mentally okay, I really put a bit of a pause on that, which is horrible don't let external noise like stop you from what you're doing for your coping mechanisms. But I got a little bit worried that if I kept sharing these little bits and pieces about how I feel, they're like, oh, God, she's off with the fairies. But I feel like so often. Mm-hmm. I did a podcast a couple of weeks mm. ago with the lost mothers, specifically about losing a child, grieving a child, how everyone grieves differently. And I touched on it then as well. I was like, this so many times in the day, so many little, even when I had Sadie, I didn't know, we'd, I've, I've never known what I was having um, in any of my pregnancies. And I just, when they pulled her out and said, it's a girl, I literally lifted my head and like, thank the heavens. I was like, thanks for giving your sister the missing link that she craves. I swear yep. that Sadie was all her doing. Yeah. Yeah. I do feel yep. that. And I forever will. Oh my I gosh. Forever. I, yeah. I have an account made that I share the writings about what helped me through my toughest times and it's called Willow, the Willow Rays account because mm. the sun shining through the clouds is Willow's Rays. Yeah. When I was in high school, we lost a friend of ours. We were in year 11 and obviously for that period of time, it was huge. We were all devastated. And the really wild thing that I've recognised now as a mother is that was what 15 years ago now and he pops up in my thoughts you know minimally now and life goes on but something popped up in the Facebook group about him the other day and I'm like for his mother life does not go on that is ingrained in her every probably waking moment of her life and it just was this quick reflection this week that I was like ah like I'd forgotten you know but for his mother that is and I just you know for you it would be the same life goes on and for everyone else, maybe they forget about it. It's not so present, but for you, it's like that shit does not leave you. That's forever. Yeah. And I think um, in the early days, it was everything. It consumed me. It consumed me for a few years there. And People from the outside probably saying, oh, she just needs to get over it and, you know, get herself out of the house and stuff, move on. I did. Like I really did need to start to just, you know, put one foot in front of the other. But till you're living it don't judge someone else for how they're going through it because now I am I'm nearly living like you just said Rach that you are like 
there's days where I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. shit, yeah, that happened. But then there's also the really heavy days where it consumes me. But to anyone out there going through it, life does go on as re- as hard as it does is to see initially. It's just you take your journey as you need. Don't let any yeah. external judgment affect yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think as well that it's it's always – it's, it's funny that you say that, you know, saying, oh, you need to put one foot in front of the other and move on. But then if you did the opposite, then it's, you need to process it. You need to stop and, you know, heal and whatnot. And, and I found that there's been very different, but, you know, having my mum pass this year, I've got, I've also got the same thing. People saying you need to stop and you need to reflect and you need to, and it's, it's this, you, you, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. So and no one can no one can tell you how to grieve and how you process that. So it's so true, isn't it, Jess? And you've got people on one hand, it's it's a head fuck. Can I say that? It's you've got on yes. one hand <laughs> saying that you need to do this. It's like, okay, well, if I need to put one foot in front of the other, that means I'm burying shit that I'm feeling every single day. Do I want that to come up tenfold in years to come and then have like a big mm-hmm falling apart yep. and it like shut up <laughs> I'm doing it the best I freaking can <laughs> yep. so I feel you and I'm so sorry exactly you. yeah you've had a hard year darling. thank you <laughs> oh thank you oh we we all have it's all been a year but can we talk about not only have you got, gone through losing a child how how and when did you become a single mum Mm. what did that look like I just I can't imagine the layers that are now in this yeah so and whenever I refer to it I don't sugarcoat anything I'm not gonna sit here and babble on about I had this I actually loved the interview you did with Elizabeth I listened to that this week and Mm. I had the perfect white picket fence I had my rose-colored glasses on thinking I had that (laughs) but I think when you're going through yeah. shit and hard times with the person that's supposed to be your rock and just there till death do us part for better or worse you're in your for better or worse stages and you're just like going through the motions trying to work out each other's shit we'll come back together one day I'm sure like there was so mm-hmm. many layers referring to what I just talked about then how could there not be yeah. And no two people are the same with the way they and deal with it. Yeah. I was very much didn't want to put my grieving onto him because I didn't want him to put his grieving onto me. Mm-hmm. But it's not until I've done the reflection of when it was final that I've become like our marriage broke down that I was like, fuck, you know, we've been in survival mode for a while there and there were troubles, arguments, I'm not going to lie, but. Like I said before, motherhood spits you up. I mean, she, like, you know, consumed you, chews you up and spits out someone completely new. So I was like, if I can't get to the root of that problem, I'm going to focus on what I can be the best version of and that be the best mum I can be, get myself in the best mental state I can get myself in, just do all the little things and the bigger things will sort themselves out later. Obviously, I was so deep in worrying about that that I was ignoring other things that were going on behind the scenes. But, yeah, um, mid-2020, so Sadie was 14 weeks old when I become solo mama and Bella was just just a bit over two. In the middle of Can you talk COVID, us through that moment? 
yeah, of course. <laughs> I the the girl's father had gone away for work, plays football, so he got you know transported up to Queensland like nearly everyone else did, and things were bad. But you're married, right? <laughs> They're not that bad. They're never that bad. And then yeah, got a phone call and a conversation to say basically I'm not coming home. And I went into denial for a while there and, you know, arguments mm. between each other just happened and I was like, this can't happen. Like this wasn't, this wasn't my, how my life journey was supposed to play out. I've never mm. saw myself as being a single parent or being in a broken family. I was just so against it because I'd grown up with something polar opposite, a loving, caring family. Parents have been married for over 30 years, four siblings. Mm so close I was like this you know and they have had hard times but you work through it right yeah Mm. so that's that's truly when I felt like my world was falling apart not the losing a child and not the grieving Mm. and not the everything else it was that everything you've built up for 11 years has just gone what did those first days look like after if you remember I was trying to go through um, my camera reel yesterday just to reflect on like pivotal yeah. moments was such a blur, hazy, mm. foggy, really foggy. It felt like everything just meshed into one. Bella was so energetic and needy as a two and a bit year old and I just felt like I didn't have anything to keep up. My milk supply dropped. Sadie refused to breastfeed from me. I was pumping five times a day to keep and um, feeding her expressed milk via a bottle because I was paranoid that COVID was everywhere and she was going to get COVID if I wasn't breastfeeding her. It was mm-hmm. just like how does one even move on from here doing this? Because when you're in the thick of it, you think this is it forever, don't you? Little kids, yeah. hard work, and I just – and then, you know, your head goes to who the fuck's going to want me? How am I going to move on and find someone else? I've got two kids. I'd look at myself mm-hmm. in the mirror and I'm like, oh, when was the last time I showered? But in saying that as well, mm-hmm. like, I'm so grateful to have my sister close by. So she was like the blessing in disguise and I needed help because I was on my own so my family could come and visit and they didn't care if they were going to get stopped. They were like, our daughter is going through like shit, hell. So I had a really good support system around me, which I was very thankful for, but um, I didn't refer to it when I was speaking before. But when when we found out we were having twins, my head went 100 steps forward instead of being in the now, and that's exactly what happened again when I found out I was a solo parent. I was like, can how you think about everything going forward. One, how am I going to keep this roof over my kid's head? What, do I, mm. what have I done for work? I haven't really been in the workplace since... I became a mum, which was over two years ago. How am I going to put food on the table? So my head went everywhere there mm-hmm. instead of just being in the now and going, right now, all I can worry about is providing for these two best I can and mothering because I felt less than for just being a mum. And mm-hmm. I hate that. Yeah. Well, the most important thing in the world, but that's what I felt. Yeah. But when you're in that position, you can't just be a mum anymore because you now have to be all those things. You need to be the mum and the dad 
in that moment, you probably were already feeling that way because you were on your own because your husband was in the hub, but you are now all of those roles. And this is what I think we all struggle with the most in that, in those kind of survival years and months, you actually, it's really hard to just let yourself heal and feel Mm -hmm. because your children need feeding. Like you said, you need to work out how you're going to pay those bills and it's it's really challenging. I couldn't you obviously the normal happenings of a day. Like how the heck am I going to do all these other things? Sorry, what were you going to say, Jess? No, I was I was going to say that you also had the added layer of being in the public eye with your husband at the time. So I can't even imagine how that how quickly did that happen? The public getting wind that you guys were separating probably wasn't until so July I become a solo parent it was probably like October November okay November even I don't even like I can't even put together a timeline it was a, a, mm-hmm. a few on and I was just such a paranoid mess because you're having people come to you and you're sent these messages that are circulating saying I just got sent this Mm -hmm. like this accurate and then you're worried about saying the wrong thing because you're like well it did happen that's exactly how it happened but I don't want to say yes or no in case I get in trouble like I was Mm -hmm. so anxious and then I felt like people were watching me and like people were driving past my house I was too paranoid to go out in public because I was like because I was like oh people will be like oh that's you know here's ex-wife that's having this this and this happen to her at the moment and I was also getting messages circulate back to me that I was mentally unstable and I'm crazy so I was worried about going out in public because I was worried that someone's gonna take my kids off which is it was my biggest fear and it still is to this day that like I was gonna be deemed as not yeah not stable and I was putting on a really, like, strong front for a while there and it got to about, I think it was September, and I just fell in a heap and back and forth messaging between him about, like, what we were going to do whilst he was away was just making me freak out tenfold more. So I got lawyers involved, <laughs> which helped a lot but also made it very finite that mm. this is it and this is the end and I actually ended up in hospital. So extremely sleep-deprived and paranoid and that's when I started. Um, I went mm-hmm. on medication for depression and anxiety, which yeah. I'm still on to this day. I probably um, avoided it for a long time because I didn't want to have that label put on me and the stigma around, mm-hmm. you, like I just referred to then, you know, there's something wrong with her, she's not okay. I felt like I'd been defeated but. Mm-hmm by that happening but Mm. to anyone out there that's struggling it changed my life tenfold it's just put Mm. everything down I don't feel like my heart's beating out of my chest every second of every day anymore wow sorry ladies do do not be sorry the I, I can't even begin to comprehend what like losing a child going through COVID having a 14 week old baby your husband calling you out of the blue saying, I, I just can't even comprehend it. So please don't even, you, and you lived it. So don't, do not apologize. You, 
you just, yeah, you're so strong and you should feel so proud of where you are. And I think something also that's, I think, important to highlight because I didn't have the world watching me. I didn't have the public eye watching my every move. But I think that's such a very real experience when you're in the thick of it and you're actually, you know, we've all had days where you're like, I don't know how I'm going to do tomorrow. I don't know how I'm going to carry on. I don't know if I can actually sustain living with the mental state that I have. Can I even do this? So many of us probably experience that. And so I just want to highlight, if you are listening and you're feeling like that, you're like, I'm crazy. I can't do this. Can I do this? I mean, you have people watching you at the same time. Like, I I guess, can you speak to women that are maybe in that now? Yeah, of course. And I think that's what made me more stubborn in the fact that Mm. I'm getting this said about me and this said about me and this said about me. show them that I'm not. So I put up Mm -hmm. the front tenfold until I couldn't do it no more. I needed to fall apart. And Mm. I have referred to it once before in the first podcast I ever did was those days after those first few days becoming a single parent were harder than the first few days after losing Willow because everything was stripped Mm. away and I had to fall apart and feel. I didn't have a distraction of keeping a newborn in NICU alive basically family Mm -hmm. there cuddling hugging doing everything for me it was very real that yeah I had support around me but I was going to bed by myself every night and tucking two kids in by myself (laughs) so yeah if you're out there and you're being told that you're crazy just honestly take a moment take a deep breath and some of the best tools that I was given to use by my psychologist my therapist at the time who's still my psychologist was just Get out there and ground yourself, connect with nature, take your shoes off, go for a walk in bare feet, turn off everything externally. I didn't go on my phone for two weeks. I tried not to turn the TV on. Walks, fresh air, which was so hard to do, like it was the littlest things that were so hard to do, but the more you do it, it becomes your little routines in your day and it just makes everything regulate back regulates the heartbeat, get in the ocean, get mm. in cold water. It does wonders. But step by step, yep. Rome wasn't built in a day. I think that's a really good thing to remember when you're mm. in the thick of your mm. shit. 100%. I feel like we repeat it every week mm. because I think when women are in the thick of it, like you said, you kind of feel like this is your life now. It's really hard to think that you're ever going to get out of it. You can't see this new possibility because you're just like, this is it now. Life's fucked. I remember when I was in sleep deprivation, I was like, great, this is it now. Like, what a shit. <laughs> Telling you guys, like, this is my life now. Like, sleep deprivation is not yeah. okay. <laughs> it's not okay. It was torture back in the day for a reason, right? Um, <laughs> but I think you touched on it actually really early in the conversation, and I think lots of women ask about this, but one of the thoughts that you initially had was like, who's going to love me? I think it's a really common one that lots of single mums are going to go, who will want to choose this? Who will want to be with this? Who would sign up for a life with children? When did you want to start dating again? When did you feel ready to date again? You know, what was that like for you? It was probably the end of 2021. I was starting to go out a bit more, 
Sadie was one and a half now. Bella was three and a half. I felt comfortable leaving them with someone. I didn't, the paranoia had eased. I didn't think they were going to get taken off me. Like I was too afraid to leave them with anyone in case when I came and picked them up, they weren't going to be there. Like my mind was so rattled. So it took a lot of working through that. And then, yeah, I just, like, it was a couple of friends' birthdays and, yeah, I started getting back into the rhythm of things and I was like, oh, this is fun. Like, someone's looking at me and noticing me and I've got two kids. This is fun. So it was probably, yeah, the end of 2021, I met a couple of people, you know, went a couple of dates, but me again blew up one of my nights out to something that it wasn't. And it was just like... Can't a single mum go out and let her hair down, like, at all? Do I have to be dating every person I get a photo Mm. with, you know? So after Mm. that one, I kind of was like, and I was probably out there actively looking because I liked the comfort. I liked to be noticed Mm. again. I liked to think, oh, I'm not just a mum, you know, and maybe there is a future on the horizon to meet someone yeah. when I hadn't thought that for a long time. So that was the start of 2022 yeah. and I just, after that happened, I was like, you know what, I don't want to be seen as the mum going out every weekend. And then I got a bit paranoid again thinking like, jeez, you know, I want to be known as a stable mother. <laughs> I think I'd shown that enough over the last two years. So I stopped looking so hard and that's when it came to me and I met my current partner. Mm. Always. It's always the way you stop and it comes, right? Always. Always. It's so hard though because when you really want it and I think, oh, you're like, if only I just had this little person to complete our little family and it'll all be okay. And it's just really hard to let go of that. But I would love to ask you, I think many women, you grow up having sort of lists and checklists and what oh. you're looking for in a partner. Yeah. Now you thought you'd found it. You know, yeah. your ex was your high school sweetheart and you thought you had a life together. So what changes after a separation like that? What are you now looking for? What are your non-negotiables? What are your, this is what I know I need in this next relationship? Did that, you know, what were you looking for? Well, it's really crazy. One of the morning I woke up after having met my current partner, I had a glass of water and two Panadol on my bedside table. I was like, what? Who is this person? Like, and then his friends picked us up. (laughs) His friends picked us up and dropped me home and he opened my door for me (laughs) the little things just are so much more noticed and it was those two little things that I was like where are you from hang on a minute I met him through a couple of my best girlfriends so I was like well if they've been trying to hook us up for this long there's something in it surely they wouldn't they know what I've been through they wouldn't set me up with anyone and then yeah I just wanted to see him all the time and just the deep conversations we had about really personal things early on I was like this guy can listen and he's understanding and just talking about his childhood he comes from parents that aren't together and he's an only child 
And a lot of things that he said to me really resonated with me and what I want for my kids. And it took me a long time to like introduce him to the girls because I just, I wanted to be sure. And I'm mm-hmm. glad I did wait and I was very sure. We've since like, we've done so many things with them and he's a bit older. So I think that plays importance tenfold. Um, but he's also just so chill and zen and the mm-hmm. environment the living environment is so calm and easy and I think it reflects with the girls as well like they were sleeping with me every night because it's what worked and now they're so regimented and routine in like dinner bath go to bed read a book they're asleep do you know what I mean yeah a lot of particularly so it's funny you say like he's not someone I thought I would have seen myself being with but I'm so glad I am with you. It's the person, I like the soul, the way they light mm-hmm. up. I think I've read that somewhere when they talk about something that they're passionate about. Connecting on a deeper level was really important with me. None of this superficial crap. <laughs> yeah, you do. You know, it's it, it's funny. I never really believed in when you know, you know, before <sighs> I met my current partner. I just didn't, I just, I was like, do you? And I was like, oh, no, okay, there's a reason why that's a thing because you you just know. And, yeah, yeah. It's really funny you say that. And that's when I feel, and especially being a mum, I think that. I do want to, I want to highlight though, I think, because Nadia touched on this too. Yeah. I think it's also okay if you don't know too. If you had an experience where you've had such shitty relationships that you're not trusting and you almost Mm -hmm. don't even trust your own judgment. I think I would also say it's okay to not meet someone and have this overpowering I know with every fibre of my being because you're having to learn to un- unpack, you know, past mm. and whatnot. So it's so I hard. Had, I yeah. had a lot of walls up there. And, like I had a lot of barriers up for a while, I'm not going to lie. But I also spoke through yeah. them with him, which I think helped a lot. Mm-hmm. But then, like, you try not to speak about them too much because you don't want to be talking about your past experiences too much with your current. You're like, it's just such a back-and-forth mind game that you play with yourself all the time. Yeah. But, yeah, I knew. I knew from that first night. Yeah. No, that's so nice. I I agree with you, Rach. I know exactly what you mean and it's something that we talk about and in previous kind of the few times that I had dated before I met my current partner, there was a lot of me questioning, am I used to a toxic roller coaster relationship and this is why I'm struggling with safety and calmness? Or yeah. is it that I'm not actually, is there no X factor? So there was so much of that going, questioning myself, going, is it this or is it that? And I I think it takes a while to figure that out. Yeah, I think because that's my experience for sure. Like I've not had great not necessarily bad relationships, but the the safety in relationships, it almost bewilders me because I'm like, what, there's no me trying to understand what's going on here and I'm kind of looking for that woo chaos stuff that makes me feel <laughs> like it's normal, which is so wild. But I think that is very real and very common for many single parents that have left the big fireworks relationships because all of a sudden the calmness is like, what the fuck's going on here? Is this a red flag? Like. Yeah, that is so relatable. And then you're sitting in the calm and you're like, wait, (laughs) 
the last time something was calm, there was big fucking problems happening. So I was like, should I be paranoid about the cars? Yes, yes. And then I unpack all yeah, of my right. <laughs> and I'm like, and she's like, Amy, turn that overactive mind off. I'm like, yeah, easy, done, switch, flip. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> it's so much easier yeah. said than done. Oh, it's so crazy yeah. to be here yeah. talking about these things as well I- when I did never saw them on the horizon once upon a time. Mm-hmm. I just can't believe my life now. Like it's it's nothing like I thought I'd ever get to have again because I was, I think, not coming from it as mm. well. Mm. I just, yeah, I didn't see it. Can I, I guess one of the things we love to, I guess, finish on and you kind of leading to it is, I mean, the last thing we love to ask is, you know, do you have any value or any insights that you would share with a single parent? But I guess to to also finish, I'd love for you to share You've just said you you never imagined you could have this beautiful life that you have now. What does your vision look like for six months' time? For 2024, do you have any visions and hopes? What does life look like for Amy Rohan in six months' time? Really funny that you say that. I actually spoke at an event on the weekend and when my whole life changed trajectory again and I became a single parent, I felt like I needed to like pinpoint the big life-changing thing that I wanted to bring to the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you see all these amazing women out there doing amazing things and I was like, I've got to make, like put my stamp on the world, sort of. I've got to make this big yes. thing happen. And stripping that away and just relishing in the little moments has been tenfold more rewarding but it's also let me do all these other little things that are big things in themselves. Like a couple of, I've done two collaborations with a little dancewear company in honour of Willow. We've made these little tutus and we did that in 2021 and 2022 and all proceeds went straight to Red Nose. And even though that wasn't me creating, building a brand like I thought I had to do, mm-hmm. it's still been really re- rewarding in itself. And that was probably one of my big things for those two years. And then in saying that, like this year, I rode a 110k bike ride around the Ballerine with, um, I know, wow. I know, I did three practice rides and we can do hard things. And that was for Red Nose and raised money for Red Nose. And I think my key goal every year is to give back in some way and help others that are going through or have been through a similar situation as mine because, and that's why I was so open to jumping on this podcast today because, one, I've listened to every one of your episodes and I've had key takeaways from every single episode and I wish there was something like this available to me in my hardest, darkest days of becoming a solo parent. So, yeah, giving back, raising awareness, shining the light on the services available for people out there struggling to continually do that, but also just really relishing the little big milestones like Bella starts school next year, which is going to be a lot because I feel like whenever I try and go, oh, yeah, she's at school, it hits me tenfold more because I'm like, this is another step she's taking without her missing link in life. And I've just noticed her, like when we go to places and there's a lot of people around just like, I'm a bit shy and I'm like I just mm. I, I overthink it yeah. sometimes I'm like you're missing your little missing link dolls it's okay I'm here I got you 
and then Sadie starts kinder yeah. next mm-hmm. year. And so bringing on those changes to life again and just, yeah, the ever-changing reality that is having little kids and life and work, embracing everything that pops up, I guess, yeah, because once upon a mm. time was very much, no, I'm on this train track and it's never veering ever again. <laughs> and this yeah. is the way I'm going. Yeah, and I mm. know every station that I'm going to and how long it's going to take me and yeah. I need to know everything. Yeah, and I think if the last three years has taught me anything, five years, if you're going back to, like, the girl's birth, it's anything but. Yeah. You get stuff flying in from everywhere, but embracing it all, especially the, mm. the little things because the little things are the big things when you look back, I think. Yeah. 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 And I think there's so much strength for you to be able to sit in that because from going what you were saying in that survival and that there was absolutely no way you could sit and actually enjoy those moments. So to be in a position now in your life where you actually can enjoy them, like that's it. That's really all we want to get to. Yeah. I say it to Jason all the time. I'm like, you are so lucky to be experiencing this version of me. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, the other one was a little bit erratic. life events and life traumas I guess had made me that way I can't sit for too long I'm going to stay up and active and move because if I sit for too long it's going to hit me whereas now I'm enjoying watching my veggie patch grow I got tomatoes on my tomato bushes what little things little things are big things Yeah. yeah oh we just want to thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today we say this you know every week but you know, I just learned so much from you in that conversation and these are the moments that will help other people. So thank you so much. Don't mention it. Thank you, ladies. It's um, You're doing an amazing thing and you should be so proud of yourself because there's so many women out there that need this and just realise they're not alone because it's a very mm. lonely thing to go through. It is. Thank yeah. you. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mothering On My Own. If you'd like to connect with us further, please follow our Instagram at motheringonmyown.podcast.